0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Let's pray one more time together. Father, uh, we are grateful to be here, to be your children. We are thankful for your son, Jesus, who came to pursue us, though we are all sinners in this room, died the death we deserve, was raised victoriously from the grave, is alive, and one day will return. And we want to be ready for his return. We don't know when our time will be up, and so today... Help us to hear your voice, and not to harden our hearts, but to truly believe in you and follow you and treasure you above all things. We speak now through your word. Open our hearts to you. Humble us now under your mighty hand. In Christ's name, amen. Well, 12, 12 weeks ago... This virus completely changed our lives. Totally unexpected, right? We didn't see it coming. In many ways, it was an unwanted disruption in our lives. And yet, I want us to see it as God's invitation. God's invitation for us to see him more clearly and to see ourselves more clearly. In World War I, one pastor preached a series of messages uh, to his congregation about how war was to be a mirror to see ourselves more clearly and a lens to see God more clearly. Now we're not in a war, we haven't been in a war, but in, in some ways this has been an unexpected, uh, challenging situation for us. And this unexpected, challenging situation is like a mirror. It's like a mirror, and we hold it up to ourselves, and we see who we really are. A time of crisis has a way of revealing the real you. It's also, this time of crisis can be like a lens for us to see and zoom in on who God really is. And so I want to use that framework today to tell you a little bit about the personal journey I've been on through this pandemic. And and I pray that it would encourage you. I realize in a room this size, and even you online viewers out there, all of us have our own story, right? And, And what you've been experiencing. This is just my own. And maybe you can relate. And so as we think about it first through through a mirror, if we would hold this whole situation up to our lives and kind of see into it, uh, what I have seen in my own life is a lot of anger, to be honest with you. Um, you might think, well, you're, you're a pastor. You don't deal with anger. <laughs> I'm a person first, right? A, a good friend of mine uh, shared this quote once. He said, you don't have to be an angry person to have a problem with anger. Right? And, and some of us, you know, uh, our spouses know this about us. We, we sometimes play it off like, well, hey, you look like you're angry. No, I'm just frustrated. You're angry. Admit you're angry. Anger comes in a lot of different forms, it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Uh, for me, sometimes I can grumble and complain. And throughout the the course of this pandemic, there have been a plethora of opportunities to complain, right? Uh, Just experiencing that ongoing frustration of the little things that have been a loss to us, right? The little things that now have become bigger things to us because we don't have the freedom to do them anymore. And honestly, um, it exposes kind of the reality of, of really what's important to me. Right? Those, those little things are like little gods that are competing for first place in my heart. So little things, I'm sure you've been uh, aware of that in your own life, but it's not just the little things that we can be you know, disappointed about or complaining about or even sulking about. It can be bigger things. And, and I want to be careful here because some of you have walked through huge things, so I'm not trying to compare my situation with yours. This is just my own story. So having our firstborn daughter as a senior in high school and, and the loss of, of that time that's supposed to be special to, to watch her um, be in the play and to, to kind of watch her um, be part of the whole graduation and enjoy that experience, that, that was a loss. And there's some anger there. In the context of family life, uh, I don't know if you're more on edge. I have been. I have been more easily irritated with different things, and so my family sometimes gets the worst of me. Sorry, guys. My wife knows that best. Um, Very patient with me. I think I got angry at you being angry one day, and then you called me on that, so I was thankful. Not in the moment, but later. Later. Um, I don't know if you felt like this, mom and dad, but sometimes I felt like a failure um, in the home, you know, like trying to adjust to a new normal and to get us into a routine. And, and so there's this anger kind of residing in me, like, why aren't you doing it better? You know, you, you should know how to parent these kids by now. There's some anger, uh, quite honestly, in trying to lead a church through all of this. A lot of frustration in me. Honestly, there have been times where I've just felt the weight of the decisions to be made. Um, a lot of decision fatigue. you know, like, are we doing the right thing meeting today? There's been a lot of questions around that and, and some anger and having to, to carry that weight of, of leadership and making those decisions, frustrations around it. And just as Pastor Josh prayed, I mean, in our culture today, there's a different kind of anger, right, that rises up. Of the, of the injustices in our culture today, and just the anger of, of just how people are dealing with the brokenness of our fallen world. And anger can go both, both ways here. You know, you, you look on social media, and in some ways you just want to get off of that and take a break because there's so much to be angry about. And then, and then you have, in my life, a personal friend, a college friend who, who died this past week, um, he committed suicide. And he was a close, close friend. Um, he struggled with mental illness for 20 years and uh, followed Jesus. Um, so many people were impacted by this man all over the globe, larger than life in college. No one will really know the depth and the darkness of what he struggled with inside as he battled so much internally. I believe he's with Jesus now in glory, but it was, uh, there was some anger there how mental illness can hijack a person's life. Never the same. So these kinds of uh, things have been floating around in my heart and my head throughout the time of this pandemic, and I'm trying to understand what to do with that anger. What do you do with anger? You just kind of push it, push it away and, and try to keep moving on and think positive and think, well, I have a lot to be thankful for, so stop being angry. That may work for... a what do you do with that where do you where do you go with the anger your eyes have got to turn somewhere else so you can't just stop and just look in the mirror at yourself and see the anger which by the way a lot of times anger is unresolved grief you know that right because you haven't dealt with the grief inside your heart it's easier to express it in anger deep down you're hurting you're experiencing some loss so where do you look you can't stay looking at yourself in the mirror, you've got to look elsewhere and look through the lens at God. And so I've, I've been doing that and I'm trying to see more of God throughout this pandemic and you guys know this, uh, Job 42 verse 5, uh, Job has been through so much and uh, suffered so much and here's his response I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear but now my eye sees you so sometimes it takes a crisis for us to actually see more of God and who he really is in our lives and so who is he for us some of you've been walking with God for a while now you know these truths, like you know, hey, God is in control, right? He's working all things for our good. He's sovereign. He's the king over the, all the universe. And, and I can take comfort in that to know that he's got a plan, right? And all of us should take comfort in that fact that we have a God who is completely in control. He's, he's not wringing his hands. He's not up there wondering, what am I going to do next? I'm really surprised by everything that's happened. No, our God reigns over all things. And yet, That's not the truth that brought me most comfort throughout this pandemic, though that does comfort us. As we zoom in, so to speak, through the lens of this crisis and see God up close, I want you to think about who he really is at the heart. If we could zoom into his heart, what do we see in the character of God? Well, in Exodus chapter 33, verses 18 and 19, Moses actually says this, Please show me your glory. He's calling out to God, saying, Please show me your glory. And and what we would expect is for God to come in power and majesty and might and wisdom and authority. And it says here, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. All my goodness. Not my greatness and my majesty, but my goodness. So Exodus 34, what does that look like? Well, it says the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So if you want to know the heart of God in your greatest trial, even in your anger, He is merciful and gracious to you. He is slow to anger when we are angry. And He's abounding in steadfast love. As we zoom into the heart of God, He loves to show His mercy to people who need it, like you and me. but what about an affliction like this? What about all the pain? What about all the personal kinds of issues all of us are going through? And I, I know this, I'm not blind, to the fact that trials like this also expose the reality of family life, don't they? Um, there will be a lot of folks needing help as we look at the uh, continuing journey of this pandemic. And perhaps you're out there today um, you know, your marriage or your family life or your personal struggles inside and you're gonna need some help. But what, do, what do we do about this idea of affliction? Where does that come from? In Lamentations three thirty-three, 33, we know this comes from the hand of the Lord. He does afflict his people, but notice what it says here. He does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. So, so, so notice this. When he brings difficult things into our lives, he doesn't delight to do so. This is not in his heart to want to bring those about. He's sovereign and in control of our lives. He will do it for our good, but he delights to show you mercy. He delights to show you grace. And he will bring this affliction into your life because he has purposes beyond what we could even think. And so that brings me a lot of comfort to know in his heart He's a father that loves to give us mercy, but he will afflict us. He will test us. He will test you to see what's really inside. And so as we close, you know, as we think about the mirror and as we think about the lens, I want to admit to you, and I think you probably know this already, this mirror is broken broken because of our sin. If we keep looking in the mirror at ourselves, eventually we're going to get really depressed because there's a lot of stuff inside of us if we're being honest with ourselves. And if we look out here and zoom in, a lot of times that view is messed up because of our story. We don't see God properly. We see him as a A distant God who just swoops in whenever we need rescue, but for the most part, he's really disinterested kind of disappointed with us, and we need to get our act together before he really wants to help us and be nice to us. So our God picture is really messed up. And sometimes, honestly, I can still think of God as one who is waiting for me to do it better and not to realize he's a God of mercy and grace. And so that brings us to one final passage here that I think brings all this together because, listen, it's not just us seeing ourselves rightly and seeing God rightly. It's actually us seeing how God sees us. Does that make sense? We need to see how God sees us. So Hebrews 4, if you've got your Bible or if you want to look up on the screen, I just want to look at these verses and then make some application to our lives. Here's what it says. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This writer is talking about the people of Israel who were tested in the wilderness, and this has been a test for us. And they didn't hear and believe. They hardened their heart. It dried up. They weren't willing to follow God during this hard time, and they fell away into disobedience, and so this is a warning for you, it's a warning for you, it's a warning for you, this is a test, have you fallen away in a disobedience, the writer says, strive to enter that rest, what is the rest, it's the finished work of Christ on our behalf, it's saying, I want to strive to enter into what Jesus has done for me, I so need Jesus every day to be reminded of what he's done on the cross And through the empty grave. Verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So here we have the word of God. Even today, perhaps, it is coming, not just as a mirror, but as a sword that's piercing through and saying, hey, I know... I know the thoughts and intentions of your heart. I know everything about you. In fact, verse 13 says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. How does it feel to be totally exposed before a holy God? Laid bare. He knows everything about you. Everything thought and intention of your heart nothing is hidden from his sight if the verses stop there and the the rest of the scripture just stop there all of us would be basically curled up in front of a holy god being ready to be judged for our sin but that's not where it stops Goes on to say, since then, listen, since then, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So this this is the incredible News of the gospel, guys, listen to me. Listen, eyes up here, listen. You and I are laid bare before God in our sin, worthy of judgment for what we've done. And if that's news to you, that's where the Bible really begins in this good news. We've got to accept the bad news. We deserve to be punished for our sin. You might think, well, I'm a pretty good person compared to most. Not compared to God. He's holy, and we're, we're sinners. And there's this big gap And Jesus came to bridge that gap. As our high priest, he came down. He sympathizes with you in your weakness. Tempted as you are, yet without sin. He understands what it feels like to be angry. Do you remember when Lazarus died? It wasn't just that he wept. He was angry, it says. Sobbing tears of anger at death. He knows what it feels like to be angry. He knows what it feels like to grieve. And he loves you. Though you're laid bare before him, he loves you and is gentle with you. And it says here, let us then approach this throne of grace with confidence. Let's draw near with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, as I finish up here, today, what do you really want in life? Be honest with yourself. Like, if you had this, then... What do you really want? Some of you have received so much in this life, and you're still empty, if you're honest. What do you really want? You know what you really want? You want to be fully known. Here I am, all of who I am, and fully loved. Don't you? It's all of us in this room. Laid bare before God and loved by our Savior. That's all of our heart's desire, is what we want. And maybe you didn't see him coming here this morning, but he's coming after you. He's coming right into your chair and saying, hey, I know you're stuck. I know you're angry. I know you're sad, and I understand, and I am merciful and gracious, and I've come, even though you're naked and exposed, I've come to cover you with my grace and love. Repent of your sin, Trust and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This passage says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Don't, if there's resistance there, don't, don't let it get in the way. Move toward Jesus. He's moving toward you. And if you're a Christian here this morning, if you have the assurance of your salvation, know this, you will fail. I have been more aware of my failures throughout this pandemic The heart of God to you is, don't run from him, run toward him. His arms are reaching out to you with mercy and love. So draw near to the throne of grace. Draw near. Man, he's holding you. Let me hold you. Let me remind you, you are fully known and fully loved today, just as you are because of my son, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you understand fully everyone's story in this room. And if we could take a risk and just be honest, so many of us are angry, so many of us are, are trying to move on, trying to find a, the glimmer of hope, and there is much to hope in, but often we... plastic with the reality of really what's going on in our souls and you know and so I pray that we would be willing to come to you honestly even now as we reflect upon the last 12 weeks and just say hey I I need you Jesus I see into my heart and I don't like what I see and I see outward and my picture of you is messed up and so I need to see reality that you have laid me bare as one who is a sinner, and yet have stooped down low to love me and to die the death I deserve on that cross, and to be raised to new life, and I will do the rest. Just just hold out your hand to me, and I will take it, and I will lead you. So, Father, help us to be willing to let you hold us today. Hold us fast, Jesus, to yourself, and keep us all the way to the end. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.